When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Standing on the North Bank podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Davis and today I'm joined by Swansea City writer Andrew Gwillem and football writer Don Booth. Afternoon chaps. Afternoon Matty. Nice to be here. Yeah. Take me for Don. Um, okay, you were both at the weekend, uh, at the Liberty of the weekend. We thought the Newcastle game was bad. Um, in the first half at least, this was, this was much worse. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, you know, it does a, it does a pretty woeful first half performance. Um, Swansea just never came out of the blocks, you know. I think um, the concerns about the lineup that was selected and the system that was used came to pass. And you know, a Watford side, you know, got thumped by Man City the previous week. Got um, you know, had a very very easy start to the game. You know, instead of being under pressure and Swansea dictating the terms on the, in their own backyard, you know, Watford were very crisp, very methodical, well drilled. Um, and it was far too easy for them, and um, you know Swansea's lack of tempo, lack of width, uh, lack of energy, uh, just just incredibly disappointing. You know, um, probably as bad, probably as bad a forty-five minutes of football as we've seen in the Paul Clement, I would say. I think the second half was was better, but I think, like Andrew said, the problems in the first half, which we'll obviously get onto, uh, lack of width and. Watford just being able to swamp Swansea in those positions, 2v1 every time against the wing-backs, Olsen and Norton. And I know Clement changed it up after half-time and it did improve, but there were no real complaints around the Liberty at the end when Richarlison sort of chipped that, that one through and made it 2-1. You know, it, The second half, no one would have complained if it had been a one-all draw, but we're all left sort of scratching our heads and thinking how it could, could possibly have been that bad in the first half. I think the, um, the question that came to me really is why why he's playing five at the back at home against a team like like Watford. Um, what do you think to that? Um, I, I I understand um, you know people's misgivings about five at the back. I don't think I don't think the system is negative of itself. You know there are sides that play with wing backs and are highly effective as offensive units. Although you would argue with better personnel, teams like Chelsea. But I think one of the issues I've had is that it's a formation that Swansea have used by and large as a means of containment against opposition. They used it against Man United, Tottenham, Palace. It's been used largely as a defensive mechanism. And I felt in the first half on the weekend, it, playing in that system again, I thought the players were still in that mindset. You know, they were, they were cautious. They were far too standoffish. And I mean, you know, just think, you know, what for just... Pass the ball around them with ease at times. And it was a bit. I think I said in my match report, you know, it was a bit like watching someone with a, a small tablecloth trying to cover a huge area. You know, every time, every time Swansea moved people wide to cover the overlap, Watford just moved it into the middle of the park and found room there. And you know, yeah. um, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think the formation's negative of its own right. I just think Swansea, in that system, are attuned to being cautious. And at home, that's not what you need. Well, what were your thoughts when you saw the team sheet down at 2 o'clock? Well, having not seen Swansea live um, before Saturday this season, 
I was unsure about about what it would look like in the first place, but having seen them play a diamond, I think a couple of times in the past, and obviously they went with five at the back at Wembley yeah. against Spurs, and it worked. Where I think they maybe they maybe matched Spurs player for player there, yeah. but Watford's system was so obviously built on their sort of attacking trio behind Andre Gray, yeah. Carrillo, um, Cleverly, and Richarlison, who were all good. Really, I thought, um, and like like Andrew says, it's about personnel. If you've got the personnel to play a system, you've got to balance that with is the system right for the personnel, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And Swansea didn't get the balance right and especially especially Olsen in the first half has been excellent since signing. Was was poor, you know, didn't didn't suit the system. Well so Charlie Nicholas I did a piece yesterday on, on Sky said that the the balance of the team is all wrong. That you that would be a fair thing to say. Yeah. Balance is wrong. Well they haven't they haven't got They've got six defenders in the entire squad, I think, or seven if you count Bartley, who's injured, and five of them are playing. And you've got all those all those midfielders waiting in the wings. Obviously, Leon Britton, people call for him to return. Sanchez didn't play or didn't start the game. You've got to, like, like I said before, you've got to play a system that suits what you have at your disposal. And Clement didn't do it, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone's talking about Swansea taking, you know, unnecessary attacking risks. You know, I mean, we, we just want to see a, a team. On at least on the front foot, and with that willingness to get forward, and you know, you talk about balance. I think balance of the midfield is an issue, you know, as much as anything. You know, I mean, to me on Saturday, Fur, Carroll, and Klukas are three very similar players. There's no point of difference between them, and I thought that got found out. You know, Swansea just couldn't generate any any tempo and you know, and beyond them you'd have to say there wasn't much movement either you know I, I know Sam Kluke has got you know quite a bit of stick on the weekend for having to go sideways and backwards but at the same time if you're if you're looking up and no one ahead of you is is moving and you're looking at a set of statues stood in front of you what option has he got you know and once Messer came on you could see the difference that someone who can play one touch and move the ball quickly can make. You know, Carroll and Fair actually found a little bit of room and the introduction of Abraham give them another option and more movement in the final third. But I, I mean I mean I think Clement you know Clement admitted it himself. You know, the the bal- the balance of that side did not look right, you'd have to say. Yeah, I was right I was writing a piece this morning which will which will go on Wales Online this afternoon about um what Clement must do to solve the Obvious issues and midfield balance as well, and, and and like a variety in there. You know, if you're going to play three in midfield, which he invariably does, you need to have a sort of strong presence in there, which is a Sanchez or a Fur. You need to have a passer, someone who can dictate the tempo, which is a Messer or a Britain, and then you need to have a bit of bit of energy and some legs, which is your Klukas and your Carrolls. Yeah. So to play, like you said, Klukas and Carroll together. In very similar roles, didn't seem to work for me. Yeah, I think I think one, I think one of the things it comes down to is that Clement doesn't yet know what his best team is or what no, his best he, formation is, and, no, and I think that's a hangover from you know some of the transfer business being done pretty late in the window on the back of the Sigurdsson saga. Just one for you, Matt. Um, how quickly the fans seemed to turn on the players in that first half. There was that horrible moment when Klukas passed back to Mawson. Mawson passed back yeah. to Fabianski and the huge boos all around the stadium. Yeah. I thought it was a little premature to do that maybe, but but how, such how, how, early the game, how early in the game was, was that? Oh, was half an hour I'd in. say from 20, yeah. 20, 30 minutes. 25 minutes. I, I mean, but, Frustrations, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean. But are the boos at half time, were they. Is that justified? Boos? Well, I mean, it was. 
it was a pretty dreadful performance. And you know, I think if you look at the manager's own body language in his technical area, um, you know, there was a lot of gesticulating, throwing his hands up in the air. So I mean, you know, if the manager's uh, body language, well, body language suggests suggests that, then you know, I, I I can understand. I can understand why the fans feel that frustration because you know you're playing against a side who. Okay, they've had a good start, but you know I wouldn't say Watford are necessarily a side to fear, mm. and you know you're you're on the back foot against them. You're not looking at you're not putting them under any real pressure. Do you think that frustration was there even, well, probably from two o'clock? Do you think from from the team selection? Um, I'm I'm not sure about that. I think I think there would have been question marks, as Dom touched on earlier. I think there would have been question marks over. That lineup, in terms of you know, the two obvious things when you looked at it, were where's the where's the width going to come from? Are the two full, are the two wing backs going to actually be able to provide it? And who's go, you know who's going to move the ball along in that midfield? Um, I think, like you said, you can have width in that system. So if if the game had gone differently, or Watford had set up differently. Maybe Olsen and Norton would have bombed on, but they were playing. It was a five at the back. It wasn't a three. It was a five. And when you see Spurs and Chelsea play, Moses, Alonso, you know, last season Walker and Rose, different. It's a different position to what Olsen and Norton were playing, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he's reading notes. Um, (laughs) What about the? um, Sorry. No. no, What about what about the the role of the the two strikers as well and. and whether you need you need to. Does would playing one give Swansea the option to play with more width, like we've been talking about? Yeah, well, I mean I mean Swan, Swansea's Swansea's classic formation, if you like, over much of the last decade has been four two three one. Yeah. Where you've had one striker but you've had a you know, a number ten behind him and you've had width through two wingers. Um for whatever reason, I I don't think Paul Clement is entirely convinced of his options in that area, um, and you know I think it's it's fairly clear to see that he prefers to play with a midfield three than with two deep lying uh, midfielders. But you know I mean Swansea have succeeded with one up front. Maybe the, the the thing I would say is that when Abraham came on, and I know that you know it, it was supposed to be a diamond, but effectively they had a front three where a you worked across the line trying to provide some width on either side. Abraham offering the threat in behind and Boney offering the ability to hold the ball up. And they looked far more threatening as a result of that. You know, they actually managed to stretch play for the first time in the game and they made Watford uncomfortable. So, you know... That was largely down to AU, I thought. Yeah. And his work rate was one of the few bright sparks of the whole game, really, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. And I, I, but I think, you know, moving forward, particularly at home, I don't see any reason why those three couldn't, couldn't operate together because... At least during that second half, there were at least some signs that there are things that can be learned from and used moving forward. We got a, we had a message sent into our our Facebook page over the weekend, um, asking us to say, uh, "Is it time to stop talking about this Swansea Swansea way?" Um, I don't know what your thoughts about but that that are. Can I say this one? It's been interesting talking. Um, as I do quite a bit, I talk and cover Cardiff City and there's been an issue about the Warnock way and what it actually is. And a lot of clubs go through this identity, not crisis, but question of identity. You know, is there a Stoke way? Is there a West Ham way? Um, ultimately, I think it just comes down to results. And if Clement 
is getting results, which he, he was doing at the end of last season. No one was really talking about the Swansea way then. Suddenly a game like this comes along, people start questioning, should we be playing this way? But I think even if Richarlison hadn't scored in the 90th minute, people wouldn't be asking about the Swansea way. They would have said, half-decent point, half-decent second-half performance, and we move on. But such is the way the game goes, that's football, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't go with the idea that it's time to stop talking about it. Because, you know, I cover the under-23s quite a bit, and I tried to get to some of the other age-grade sides. They are playing the Swansea way, or you know, they play in a style that is would be familiar to anyone who's watched Swansea over most of the last decade. The issue is, and I think if we're being quite frank here, I don't think a Swansea first team have played that way in well, I would say at least at least two two and a half years, maybe longer. Um, you know, it, it's does not. That, it's does not, that matter though? Well, I, th- I think it matters when we're looking at a side that is playing with the handbrake on, which I think they are at the moment. And you know, one of Paul Clement's first jobs when he came in was quite clearly to show them up. They were a defensive rabble last season. Yeah. Before he came in, they were conceding three and four a week. That had to stop. And understandably, an awful lot of the focus initially went there. And they have made considerable strides in that area, you know, regardless of how poor the two goals they conceded were on Saturday. But you know, foundations are foundations. You've got to build the rest of the house, and that's what the challenge is now for Paul Clement. And you know, I, Swans, you know, Swan, Swansea should, should still be looking to play good, attractive passing football. And I'm not saying that Clement is opposed to that or anything mm. like that. But fact of the matter is. This is not uh, this is not solely an issue to do with Paul Clement. You know, did they play the Swansea way under Bob Bradley? No. Did they play the Swansea way under Francesco Guidelin? No. Um, and I think you could argue that under parts of Gary Monk's time in charge, they didn't play the Swansea way, if, yeah, you, if you like. So. You know, so, I mean, you know, we'd all love to see it back, but... Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, the pressure... Dom sort of touched on it there. The pressures of the modern game... I mean that you know you tend to be a you tend to be a bit more pragmatic, don't you? You know because you know that if you have a poor run of results, the pressure soon comes on. You know it's not just as simple as saying, "Let's open it up and go for it." It's such a challenge for teams. It, you know, if you like the Premier League's middle classes, it's such a challenge for all of them to try to adapt their way of playing. You know, t- Tony Pulis gets absolute, absolute pelters at West Brom for playing functional, one-dimensional football, but he gets results. Mark Hughes is trying to, you know, evolve the way Stoke have played in the last few years, with mixed results. You know, West Ham can continue sort of identity yeah. crisis with the way they want to play. So, like like you said, Andrew, it's like it's just a case of getting results, and people won't ask questions. But it's a balancing act, isn't it? There were fans uh, calling for Leon after about twenty minutes in the game against Watford. It- he wasn't even on the bench. Um, is it as easy as bringing Brits back into this side? No, it's not as straightforward as that. You know, we, the the issues the Swansea experienced on the weekend are not not down to one man. But what I would say is, if you look at the impact that Rocky Messer made off the bench, and he is probably as similar a player as they have to Britain in the rest of the squad. Uh, you know, you would have to suggest that on home soil in particular, 
Swansea would benefit from having one of those two, if not both of them, in the side to provide that uh, that bit of tempo. You know, I mean, why is yeah. it that a succession of managers have seemed to not quite like the look of Britain when they first get in, and then after several weeks or a yeah. few poor, poor results, they go, "Oh, quick, let's get him back." Things aren't going the right way for us. You know, Bradley did it. Yeah. Guidlin did it. Yeah. Clement's doing it. Yeah, I, mean, I think Monk, it, Monk did it as well. Monk did, did it, it as too, well. Yeah. I, mean, I think it comes down to the fact that Swansea have not found anyone who can do what he does any better than he does, which you know I think says a lot for how underrated outside of Swansea I think Leon is. And the one question I would have, you know, I I don't think we can expect Leon to play thirty eight Premier League games a season at the age of 34, going on 35. But at the end of last season, that five-game spell where they got the results he needed to stay up, he was outstanding. And his influence on and off the field was clear to see. Yeah. The one thing I find difficulty with is what has he done or done wrong other than pick up a back injury for a couple of weeks that means he's now not in the match day squad. You know, I... Uh, even if he's not starting, yeah, I, I you know the club captain I would say has a role to play. You know, I I just don't see what he's done wrong to suddenly find himself on the outside looking in. That, that's the point I would make. I think it's a realization for the majority of Swans fans that they know that he, as you say, can't play week in week out, but he be fantastic player to have on the bench in these situations in games like this. Andrew says that they've not replaced Britain, which is probably right. But in effect, they've got three midfielders in the squad who are all attempting to replace Britain in Carroll, Lucas, and Messer. So, is it more a case that someone else needs to step up to to the mark? Really, I like Tom yeah. Carroll, but he was poor against Watford. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've got a point there. I mean, you know, you could argue that we shouldn't be sat here saying that uh, you know a, a guy at this British stage of his career should be a key figure. But the fact is that. You know, no, no one has stepped up. I think of the three you named there, I think Messer to me looks like the one who could, who could be the the natural successor. You know, he's he's comfortable on the ball. He can play one touch. You know, he looks to play forward, dictate tempo. You know, I know he, you know, I know he made you know a terrible error at the end there, but he was also pretty important in Swansea getting back in the game in the first place. Um, so I mean I you know I think I would like to see more of Messer. You know I'm I'm not saying that you know they 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 should both start or one of them would start at West Ham because you know it it is different when you go away from home. But you know you'd hope by the time the Huddersfield and Leicester games come round that uh, at least one of them is starting to to allow, allow Swansea to actually generate some some tempo in their play. The irony is going back to a previous point that the wing back system could actually work well at West Ham. And there could be, you know, a point or three to be taken if he uses that system. So, you yeah. know, there's 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 loads of counterpoints to be balanced here. It's just that he got the balance wrong yeah. against Watford in a game of that type, which you, you know, Swansea would expect to to not lose at least. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the balance between home and away, isn't it? I don't think any I don't think anyone would mind necessarily if you go away from home, as you get a Tottenham, and you, you're disciplined, you're solid. You make sure you don't lose, and you hope that you can get a result. You know, I, I, I don't really, I don't take issue with that. I, you know, I think, no, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the work that's been done on the training ground, you know, has been obvious in some of their away performances. 
but the emphasis is different at home. I think when you're at home, you've got to be dictating to the terms of the game. You've got to be putting the opponent under pressure. They're in your backyard, and I, you know the you know the onus is on the home side. And you know I just I just thought Swansea were, well you know stuck in first gear. You know they they allowed they allowed a Watford side still hurting after a six nil thumping the week before to have. As as easy an opening twenty minutes as they as they could possibly have wanted. I bet Marco Silva couldn't believe his luck. Yeah, I honestly think that. But on the Brit on the Britain point, it's probably worth saying that it's about picking and choosing his games as well, and that a game like a home game where Swansea might be able to control the ball is probably the one for him, and not maybe a rough and tumble clash against Spurs or something like that. You know, there will yeah. be games for him and, and ones not for him. Yeah, Olsen was so impressive uh, last season. He got forward. Uh, virtually every opportunity. He doesn't seem to be getting forward so much this season so far. Is, do you think that's by instruction, perhaps? Um, I'm not sure. I I personally think that he has started the season a bit off his game. Um, you know, he, he does get forward, but I think the difference between this season and last is that when he got into those areas... You know, he he, he produced, yeah, or you know, he, he had a little, very, very you know, they had a little extra burst of pace to get past someone and score, or the quality of his delivery was better. I think, you know, a lot of you know, and, and he's not the only Swansea player guilty of this, but you know, the final ball into the box has been found wanting quite a lot this season, and um, you know, that's one area where they're struggling. They are they they don't really have much accuracy at the moment in their play in the final third. You know, I you know, I think. Hopefully, given a you know little bit of time, he'll he'll get back to the level we saw when he first joined. But he's not alone. But he's he's not quite he's not quite where he was last season at the moment. I think Olsen's maybe not being pushed hard enough in his position. Swansea didn't get that extra mm-hmm. fallback that they needed, and Olsen is quite clearly first choice in that position. Maybe he needs a bit of competition to spur him on. You know, pros always say that, don't they? Yeah. It's great to have competition for places. It's such a common line that they spin. And maybe there is some truth in it, and that does fire you on to to a higher level. Yeah, yeah it's a fair point, isn't yeah. it? Because at the moment, they're you know their their left back cover is essentially moving Kyle Norton, mm, isn't yeah. it? So you know, well, you move in someone from the under twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Clement was absolutely he was fuming on the on the sidelines even before um, Watford got their winner. You could see him spinning away. Um, last after the Newcastle game, he was um, he was very honest in his post match, and, and here here again. He, he, he took the or he burdened took a lot of the, the blame on, him, on himself it was a different kind of honesty though wasn't it this time mm-hmm. you know he did call out the players a little bit at Newcastle but he accepted that this time like you say Matt it was him that, that got it wrong I just wonder whether he's sort of maybe tactically slightly unsure of himself at the moment you know he tried he tried things last season with a view of staying up and fighting and being dogged and then it's about taking it on the next season. Maybe he's just he's caught in between two two stones at the moment. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we said earlier. You know, does he at this moment in time absolutely know his best team and his best formation? No. And I don't no. you know, and I don't think he does. And I think if a lot of supporters were were honest as well, I think they'd have a hard time saying what's what. You know, there's Pick four uh, midfield know, names out of a hat. Yeah, so you know they, they are. You know, in a sense, the makeup of that squad. You know, they're heavily overloaded with central midfielders, but yet they lack. You know, they lack depth in others. So it's. You know, it, 
Was Clement a little bit frustrated about the business that was done in the transfer window, perhaps? Well, he's you know he's not come across as being frustrated by it. You know, I think I think he was I think he was frustrated that the Sigurdsson situation dragged on as long as it did because, you know, whatever anyone wants to say, quite clearly it it impacted on what what they could do in terms of bringing people in and, you know, ultimately, you know, three, you know, three guys coming in right at the end of the window. You know, Kukas was about a week before, and then you had Sanchez and Boney on the final couple of days and. You know, they are. You know, if if they're if say, Boney for example. You know, we know that there was a deal pretty much in place at the end of July, for that to happen. You know, had the green light been pressed on that, then, you you know, we'd have a guy who's fully up to speed. Clearly, at the moment, he he's not. And and in in that sense, once you're feeling, the pinch a little bit there. But that's, you know, that that's how things are. You have to, you know you have to get up get up and running uh, quickly. I was met with some cynicism on social media in the transfer window when I suggested that Nasser Chadley would be a good signing for Swansea because I thought he offered a bit of versatility in the forward positions, play out wide, he can play in the middle, he can even play up front. Obviously, there was a £25 million price tag, but Swansea had £45 million plus whatever it was for, from Gilfie Sigurdsson's sale to pay for that. If they'd have sorted out the Sigurdsson saga earlier, maybe... I think Chadley could definitely be persuaded to come and West Brom could probably be persuaded to sell. Yeah, I yeah. think that that missing out on Chadley probably didn't seem like a big deal at the time, but I think they could do with him now. Yeah, I mean, they, they are they are short, you know, having lost Sigurdsson, they are short of a genuine creative force behind the strikers. You know, I mean, I think... Chadley's not in Sigurdsson's league, is he? But no. he would bring something different to the table. I think, I think the feeling with Chadley and with Jonathan Vieira is that they felt that Rightly or wrongly, they felt that the money that was being asked for those players was too much and that they would be better off holding fire and having the money to spend mm. in January and, and, and making sure they got the right man. But but the money you know, for everyone keep... this summer was, was too much, wasn't yeah, it? Well, that's, yeah, there was, well, there was no fair. value to be had in the market this summer, well, wasn't it? sympathy. I don't think Swansea would probably wanted to pay £25 million for a, for a guy who couldn't get into the West Brom team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, going back to sort of the bedding in period for the new players, we've had an international break. We've got another one coming up. There hasn't been that rhythm yet to allow these players to fully, fully settle. And it's no wonder, perhaps, in some cases that they, they haven't hit the hit the ground running. Um, on that point, um, Sanchez, Renato Sanchez was dropped to the bench. Um, was that the right call, do you think? To be honest, that's, that's, that's quite hard to say really, isn't it? Because Swansea's all-round performance in that first half was so poor and his form has been so mixed since he came in. You know, I, I couldn't honestly say to you that if he had started that that first half would have been significantly different than mm. it was. Uh, and that's not just a reflection on him, but the mindset that Swansea went out with. Um you know, he came on late. Did a, you know a couple of decent touches. You know, I, I think Clement probably felt just take just take him out of the limelight. You know, because you know his his performances have been a major talking point. He has come in for criticism. Maybe just take the heat off him, give him a chance to to look at things from the sidelines and maybe gain better understanding that way. Yeah. Um, There's also got to be an understanding that Sanchez is not a Sigurdsson replacement. No. He's a different player. He's a young player, unproven in the Premier League. 
So it's going to be difficult for him, and it might not be till you know, November, December that we see the best from him. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a twenty-year-old in a country where he doesn't speak the language, and he's never played Premier League football, and you know, until the last couple of weeks, and he and he didn't play very much with Bayern last week, you know. So, last I, 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 sorry, yeah, yeah I, I still think he's got. I used to think he's got a big role to play, and I still think he can be a success. And, I, and I'd say the same about Bourne. Yeah, I know there's a bit of scepticism about, you know, is he can he come back and be the same player? You know, I think I think he'll get there. I'm not saying he'll be as good as he was first time round, but I think he'll get there. Um, you know, it's not it's not ideal, obviously, but I think I think those two long term mm. will get there. The problem, of course, is that when Swansea is struggling now. You kind of feel like you need them to, to be that, doing it now. You know? Going back to that point, isn't it about you know you can't afford to mess about in the Premier League. You know you, if you have a couple of slack weeks, you'll get you'll get punished. Yeah. And mm. Clement doesn't have the sort of time to experiment. There's no games in which you can go. Oh, you know that's a banker. Rotate the squad. Give him a go. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's a challenge. We've focused a fair bit on the on the negatives in that performance, but I suppose in the interest of balance, we should touch on the positives as well um, we touched we, we said that Jordan A he was, was busy he was industrious Tammy Abraham I know you said in your report at the weekend that he, he looked pretty pumped yeah from from almost during the warm up but especially when he came on yeah he did yeah you know, he, he was you know he was beating his chest sort of uh, roaring at his teammates before the second half had even kicked off so I mean he obviously you know he'd been disappointed that's the first time he's not been in a starting lineup in the Premier League this season and he played like a like a guy who had a point to prove, you know. He was he was hungry and, you know, showed great you know great poacher's instinct for his goal, which I th- you know I think is, you know, is you know he does get a lot of goals that way. He sort of sniffs out ricochets and rebounds. That was a classic Abraham goal from watching yeah. his reel uh, with Bristol City last season. So many goals scored like that, just feeding off scraps and you know firing a rebound. It was a, it was a really good goal actually, wasn't it? It was, yeah, I thought so. And you know, look, Borney. Boney's, you know, Boney's physical presence allowed him a little bit of joy as well. You know, there were a couple of times where, you know, defenders were mindful of the fact that they had Boney coming for them, and the ball, you know, the ball fell loose to Abraham from one of those, and you know, only a great block by Mariapa sort of, you know, prevented him getting a second. And I, you know, I said earlier, I, I liked the dynamic of those three of, with AU with those two. Um, you know, I think for, you know, I think going forward, there is something there that can be that can be worked with. You know, I. But is there a lack of width when when that happens? I'd like to maybe see AU giving a go out wide and you know, on the left or something, and someone like like a Routledge or a Narsing comes in on the right, yeah. just to go almost strip it back to basics. One up front, two wingers. You can still play three in the middle, Clement, because that's what you like to do. Um, AU is so industrious, yeah, and so he really surprised me with how, with how good he was against Watford. I didn't expect expect that when he came from Villa when he. He struggled to even get into yeah, the Villa team, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. But he looks like the the better of the AU brothers at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Narsing's an interesting one because, you know, he had limited opportunity last season, but he still ended the season with three assists from, I think, you know, it might have been about a dozen appearances or so. But but this season, Clement appears to be trying to do something different with him than him just being a hug-the-touchline winger. You know, he played as a number 10 for the 23s against Derby the other week. And against Reading in the cup in midweek, he, he was on the right-hand side of a front three. You know, he, he didn't play as a winger. He was more of a forward. And his his pace and his threat 
running from wide areas into central areas was one of the really interesting parts of that performance. And I, I must admit, I, I did wonder if we would have potentially seen him try that on on the on the weekend against Watford, and obviously didn't. But you know, you're talking about a Dutch international who's got you know he's got speed to burn, yeah. and again, something different. So you know, would you know a four three three sort of situation with RU and Narsing not just providing width but yeah. providing real support for be it Boney or Abraham through the middle. You know, it's. But if it's you're going to play the, the diamond with, with maybe Ayu in the 10 role, which he played in the second half behind uh, Tammy and, and Boney, that's when you've, got, you've still got to say to Olsen and Norton, really get forward. It's yeah. almost the same as the three five two in that sense. You've got to get forward, lads, and you've got yeah. to be the, the width. Yeah. You know, reference Spurs again. Yeah. yeah. That's what they do, and that just wasn't happening at all. Well, I, felt, I felt in the second half they did push on more. Than A little bit more, yeah. Yeah. Um, just because he used presence meant that, you know, the, the guys on the flanks for Watford couldn't just push forward at will because they were worried about leaving space for him to exploit. Yeah. Um, you know, the pity was that Swansea's final ball and, and their convic- the conviction of those two players once they got into good areas was, you know, wasn't really there. West Ham up next then, um, they're struggling. Um, do you think we'll see any changes in? First of all, in, in personnel. I think Tommy Abraham will start again. Yeah. I think he has to. Um, Boney might be given more time to get up to speed because he did look a little bit sluggish. I know I, I agree with Andrew that that we might see the better of Boney again, yeah. but he did look a little bit sluggish, a little bit off the pace, not as sharp as he can be. Yeah. So I think, I think a change of system and a change up front. I don't think Clemens, not the type of manager to make sweeping changes. No. So I can't see a huge amount other than that, really. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the interesting issue he's got is that that five-three-two system has worked well for them away from away home. Away from home, yes. But could, you know, can you re- can you really send out the same side next Saturday on the on the back of a performance where he admitted himself that a he got it wrong, but b that he felt that some individual performances were not good enough. So. You know, think you know. I know Messi made the mistake on the weekend, but you know, you also got that, that caveat in, haven't you? Even though he was impressive, you've got to he say made the mistake. Yeah, ah, but 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 you know, if if someone if someone performs well, as he did, and he did against Reading in the cup, it should be said. You know, does he not? Does he not deserve the reward of a of a start? You know, of a start at the weekend. You know, it's a it's a bit it's a bit of an awkward one now because you know five three two has worked well away from home, but if he goes with that again, and then and there's a perception that it is an overridingly negative and cautious system. Then you know he's um, he's going to get tired with the same brush again. Well, we seem to have this debate every week, though, don't we? Certainly, as you know, over the last sort of three, three or four weeks, um, how is he going to set up at the weekend? I mean, and that's probably integral to the to the issue at the moment. He doesn't, as we've touched on before, doesn't. Know his best system and his and his best team. Well, he wants to play three in the middle, and he wants to play two up front, but he doesn't know how to shoehorn yeah. them both in yeah. almost into the same team. And well, it was interesting what he said after the Watford defeat, where he said, "This home, our home form is really piling the pressure on ourselves. Yeah. We're putting it on ourselves now. We've got to go and get something at these places, you know." 
they did pull out a performance at Spurs after a poor performance against Newcastle. I think he might actually go back to the 3-5-2 because he sees it as, well, if we get a draw at West Ham, it will take some of the pressure off and that's probably our best bet of conserving what we have. And then you've got to go at home yeah, and really games. you know, lay down a marker after that. So maybe the West Ham game isn't the one to, to go for the juggler on maybe trying to get inside Clement's head there, yeah. what he would be thinking. I mean, the one thing I would say, you know, we, I mean, obviously, first half performance was, you know, really, really poor, and a lot of what we've said here has been quite critical, and I think, I think that's only that's only right. I, I would say I, I, I do still feel Clement has done, up to this point, a good job, because oh. I don't, I, I personally, I, do, I think without him, I don't think we'd be talking about Swansea City as a Premier League club. You look at the odds they overcame to stay up; he deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that. And They're sorting out the defence as well. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, you know, I, th- I think it's important to to say that. But you know, th- the challenge now is to sort out the attacking side of the game and to knit that together. Mm. And you know that that means that will mean finding combinations that work. And you know, it's not going to be the work of a moment. And I don't think I don't think anyone is suggesting that it should be. But the very nature of the Premier League is that. You know, you you go a month or two down the line, and there has not been a significant improvement in this area, and you know they they could find themselves in, you know, some pretty serious bother. You know, you look at the fixtures that are coming up. I think other than a trip to Arsenal, I think it's I might be wrong, but I think it's roughly something like there's only one of their next seven games are against a side who finished in the top six last year. You know, you've you've got to take you've got to take these opportunities because. We saw last season with that run in March against, you know, Hull, Bournemouth, Middlesbrough. When you don't take points from those games, you create an awful lot of bother for yourself elsewhere. And that's kind of that's kind of where Swansea are at the moment. You know, if um if you can find the combination that'll work and the, and, and things can start to click, I still think Swansea be will be perfectly fine this season. But if they don't and you keep giving up points at home to Watford, Newcastle, or Huddersfield and Leicester, you know there there are going to be issues, and you know we we might have the be talking about the dreaded R word again, you know, for the for the fourth time in fifth season in a, in five seasons. There's no crisis yet, is there? No, it's not the time to to really concern, be concerned. No, no, I you know I, it it's worrying. It's it, there's no doubt it's worrying and it's concerning, but. You know we are. You know it's worth remembering we are still only six games into a new, a new season. There's 32 games to mm. go, but it it you know it it can't take too much longer really. But but again, it's not it's not easy. It's not it's not an easy thing to solve overnight either. No, there's just some individuals that aren't firing at the moment, which is really hamstringing them. I think Olsen we've touched on Alfie Mawson's not been himself. Yeah, certainly wasn't himself against no, Watford. Day, um, I think we can see a lot more from Carroll as well. Yeah. So you know, if those individuals just up their performance levels, yeah. a touch, it could be it could be different, couldn't it? Yeah. Well, let's let's see how they get on at um, at West Ham on the weekend. Um, just before we before we finish, um, Gully spoke to Nathan Dyer on Friday evening after his run out for under twenty threes. He gave quite a honest, again open, um, lowdown on his recovery. It was a it's up on it's up on the website now. Um, what was he? What sort of mindset was he in? Was he was he was he positive? Yeah, I think um, just delighted to have some uh, 
to have some game time under his belt. You know, 58 minutes. You know, it took a bit of time to get into the game, but you know, I think that's, I think that's fairly inevitable when you've been on the sidelines for so long. And you know, the, the last thing you want is to come back and to to get hurt again. You know, he was, um, you know, he was very honest about, you know, how low he was after the injury. You know, he, ad- he admitted that when. Um, you know, when he came in to see the physios uh, the Monday after that Leicester game, you know, that he'd, you know, he quite openly wept uh, when he was told that he'd, you know, he'd be facing as many as nine months out. And, you know, just some of the, you know, just some of the the details, basically, of that recovery, you know, the many different, you know, uh, stages it took, you know, from, you know, having a cast, wearing a boot, you know, once the boot was off, he had to wear wedges in his shoes to keep the pressure off the uh, the Achilles tendon. And then, you know, sort of going that far down the line and then being told, right, now you have to just sit for two weeks and don't put any weight on it at all. You know, it, you know, it sounded quite, uh, it sounded quite an arduous process, really. And, um, you know, it's it's good to see him back because, you know, once he's up to speed and he's fit again, he provides Clement with, um, you know, another another forward option and a wide option. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, just... Happy to be back after what uh, you know. It's been a difficult couple of years for him. You know, he got uh, he got rather frozen out under Gary Monk, and you know he wanted to sort of reintegrate himself last season. And you know, combination of a couple of bad injuries, and he's trying to re-establish himself. Really, I think. And uh, you know, I think hopefully it could be a, a fresh start for him. <coughs> no, it's good to see him back. Um, well, I think that's probably enough. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I keep talking for hours, but if, yeah, that, if, uh, that's probably enough, isn't it? No, we're on the clock here, Dom. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, regular reminder that you can get all the latest Swans news on Wales Online on Twitter at Swansea City Live and Facebook, which is Swansea City Wales Online. Thanks, chaps. Thank you very much. Thanks.